This is Growth Masters. The show for CEOs, CMOs, and anyone wanting to keep up with what's new in the world of business, marketing, and tech. You're in conversation with Robert Tadros. Today's guest is the one and only Gitano Dinardi. I hope I got that right. That uh, singer, songwriter, producer, and digital marketing leader. Gitano's produced records for some of the biggest names in urban music. Fat Joe, Bobby V, and Shaggy, just to name a couple, right? And in the business world, this man has built a reputation to be one of the top marketers in the industry. Welcome, my man. It's good to have you on the show. Thank you, Robert. My, my head is so big now, I don't know if I'll be able to walk out of my front door. <laughs> that was a very, very welcoming intro, brother. Thank you. My, my pleasure, my man. My pleasure. Man, like, I've been wondering, like, how does a songwriter... And I'm, I'm assuming you're going to, you expect this question, right? How does a senior songwriter producer turn into a digital marketer? Yeah, well, it's actually not as hard as you might think um, because when you're a musician, you have a product, just like a startup has a product. <laughs> and what do you got to do? You got to get it out there. <laughs> That's true. And one thing that startup founders do, which I think is a great way to attract eyeballs to what they're doing is they just start blogging or creating content around their experience as a founder. And they just start telling their story. Hey, this is what I'm doing with this week. Here's what I found with, you know, achieving product market fit, blah, blah, blah. The musician is no different. I was blogging about the perils of being Mm -hmm. an up and coming music producer and songwriter in New York city. And um, people were finding my shit through Google search. So I fell ass backwards into SEO. I was blogging about how I got a meeting with Atlantic records and nothing happened from it. And I, I blogged about like how I felt rappers should not pay music concert venues, insane amounts of money just so that they could be part of a showcase that just straight up rips them off. So I was writing about scams and you know, good stuff. (laughs) That's good. Google loves that shit. Oh, I love that shit. Yeah. And I fell ass backwards into SEO and I said, man, you know, I love the idea of people finding my shit without me having to promote it because promoting content sucks. And from that moment on, I was like, man, I I love this. This is what I want to do. And then I realized, well, it'd be great to have some money to to actually put into my music uh, business life and, you know, have money to um, run ads and do videos and create content and maybe outsource some stuff. So I was like, why don't I get an SEO job? Oh man, that sounds great. Um, And I was just finishing college at the time. And I hit up this dude, Mike King, who was starting up an agency in New York. And um, I was the second person hired there. Boom, you know, got right in working with deep experienced SEO people. And I was very inexperienced, but I had hunger. And so I was able to kind of prove myself working with tough clients, man, Trojan condoms, major league baseball, first response, pregnancy testing kit. So optimizing landing pages around those kinds of terms, you can imagine what that's like. And, you know, from there on, it was software companies like pipe drive Then I moved on to sales hacker and fast forward today, you know, leading a a 10 person growth marketing team at Nextiva. And we're a leader in cloud communications. You can think of Nextiva like a business phone system with superpowers. So that's kind of how that's it all awesome, happened. Awesome, man. What, what, what a journey. And I'll get to growth hacking in a second, right? I've actually, funny enough, I've got a very similar experience. I, I built my first website when I was 18 at uni, university. 
it was importing health products from the US, right? And I was getting them white labeled. I was putting my sticker on them and I started selling the stuff. And I literally fell as backwards like you into SEO, right? The days where I could just like jam the footer with keywords, right? I could write like the <laughs> spammiest content on a page and it would just rank through the surf. Man, it was like good days, right? We'd never do that again now. But, um, <laughs> and I, I built this econ business, right? 18, 19 year old, don't know what I'm doing. Um, I was actually studying architecture at the time. And yeah, mm -hmm. next thing I know, I'm like architect turned digital marketer. Fast forward, I'm running a, an agency of like 60 full-time employees. We're about to open up in Austin, Texas. Going crazy, right? But I, I remember I used to love those days of SEO, right? We used to just like write so much content and the robots just, the algorithm just love it, right? They love oh, yeah. it. Through the surf. Suck it right up. Yeah, they love that I stuff. Can. Right? Oh yeah, love it, man. You talk to that. <laughs> That's a good story. Happy. Yeah, man. It's like it's it's pretty much how I fell into it. Like I speak to so many marketers, and like seventy percent of the time, it's how they've fallen into digital. You know. Yeah. They've yeah. started something. They've explored. They've like, you know, landed on a particular site and gone. How they managed to get to the top page for like, you know, such a, like I I ranked for Green Garcinia. Right, it was oh like number gosh. one. Like wow. Doctor Oz put a, it was a little segment on his show, and my traffic just went through the roof, right through the roof <laughs> overnight. Oh overnight. man, that's so funny. So funny. I want to hear something so funny real fun. quick. Um, we Nextiva, we ranked number one before COVID for working from home tips. Wow. <laughs> and then COVID, and then COVID came, and eight hundred percent traffic growth to that one page. And then what happened the next few weeks was even hilarious, 800% dip because every big content publisher in the world started putting out working from home tip guides, like yeah. the ink.coms and all those. And then we tanked, but that quick surge was a, a testament to the power of what you're talking about. Like something like a Dr. Oz advertising something that you're already number one for. And then, you know, that that's pretty cool. That's what I love about yeah, SEO. I, I love it. Right. And I've always had a soft, soft spot for SEO, right? I still try and keep pretty engaged and, you know, I dabble here and there just to, you know, keep my, you know, stay on the tools, man. We spoke about like just briefly touched on growth hacking, right? And that's, um, I love that topic, right? What's your approach to, to growth hacking? Cause there's so many different ways, right? There's so many different, there's a plethora of different frameworks and methodologies and ideas and strategies. And I think, you know, I'd like to think I've developed something very unique at impressive at our agency, but I'd love to hear from you, man. Like what's, what's your approach? My answer is probably going to be a lot different than what you might expect. So like the way that. I think, yeah. <laughs> so the way I think about it is, so, so I'll tell you how I think most of the world thinks about it. And I'll tell you how I think about it. Cool. Most of the world thinks about it like, oh, let's look for some kind of maybe shortcut or what are the things that are trending, the shiny new toys or you know, maybe using new channels like product hunt, you know, to promote mm. stuff and, you know, tapping into new channels. The way I think about growth hacking is doing the, like exercising extreme amounts of discipline and doing what no one else is doing in the traditional channels that everyone's kind of sleeping on. So like, for example, like I think this is a growth hack. I think listening to sales calls and taking like customers and sales teams against your new landing page designs and, and asking for feedback and saying, you know, should pricing go here or should features go here? Or, you know, what do you think about FAQs? What do you think about this module? Um, is this important? Is that important? That to me is growth hacking. 
And that's shit that not a lot of people do. Not a lot of marketers do that. They just, you know, they create landing pages and they say, oh, we'll put hot jar on it. (laughs) You know, and that's good. That's good. But I look at growth hacking, you know, I'm I'm actually looking at it as like maybe more growth fundamentals because I, I think that the fundamentals have been so lost. You, you know, marketers, they, they crack like cheap glass if you tell them to go into a Google ads account and figure out what's working and what's not. Um, and so me, I'm always going to be part of the camp of marketers that say nobody's going to be better at the fundamentals than me. No one's going to be better at figuring out what customers really want and giving it to them and doing that to accelerate growth. And then you layer things on top of that. Once you have the fundamentals down really well, you know, then you start thinking about things like LinkedIn sponsored conversation ads. That's mm. growth hacky. Yeah. Then you start thinking, you know, then you start thinking about doing things like YouTube top of funnel pre-roll kind of display retargeting, right? Like you start thinking about YouTube pre-roll ads. Like these are growth hacky things to me, but they're still connected to traditional ways of doing marketing. It's just more outside of the box and, and different, but I don't really look at growth hacking as, um, you know, buying the shiniest new tool because Gartner says you have to do it because it came out in their CMO 2021 report. You know what I mean? So in a nutshell, I mean, we can keep going on this, but in a nutshell, that's how I think I'll, I'll leave my opening statement into how I view growth hacking. Man, I absolutely love that, right? Because you're so right as marketers and like a lot of, we get sucked into all the new shiny toys, right? And, and naturally what happens is like, oh, let's go and grab that, right? And we forget about like, you're right, the basic fundamentals of like, what are they, like, have you actually got those fundamental right? Because if you don't, that ain't gonna work, <laughs> right? Period. Oh yeah. It's like, right I was having a debate with someone the other day and they're like, oh, there's this new cool project management tool. And, you know, they're telling me about how like, how broken their processes are within their company. And, you know, he can't get their, you know, the employees to use it properly. I said, I was like, dude, you can go and buy the best project management tool out there, but guess what? You've got some shit you need to fix because that ain't going to fix it for you. Right. (laughs) It's a behavioral problem that you have. And that is like getting humans to use the tool. Fix that. Then it doesn't matter what tool you put in. Yes. You might be able to tweak efficiencies here and there, but the reality is if you can't get the person controlling it to use the tool properly, that tool is just not going to work. And you're going to keep totally. looking for the next shiny one, right? Totally agree, brother. The, the way I think about it is like a musician. I always think about things in terms of mu- music and musicianship, but you know, rest in peace to Eddie Van Halen who just passed away. Right. Um, yeah, so. He could have picked up any $200 shitty guitar, play it so well. You wouldn't even know that it's any different than his usual $2,000 guitar. And that's the way I think about, you know, is a marketer really as good as they say they are? Can they adapt to any kind of tool stack really? Because with me, you can put me in front of Pardot, you can put me in front of HubSpot, you can put me in front of Salesforce, you can put me in front of any CRM, any marketing automation tool, um, Google ads being, you can put me in front of any SEO tool, whatever it is, I'm going to figure it out. And I'm not married to specific tools because sometimes what marketers, unfortunately what happens is they get too married to one tool and that mm. becomes all they know. And then when they go to a new place, they, you know, they make a big stink when no one wants to get the tools they want. So 
Um, I, my advice would be just remain as tool agnostic as you can and just stick to the fundamentals because the tools, like you said, don't really matter as much as, as the, as the way you operate the machinery. hundred percent, man, hundred percent. And that can apply to pretty much any discipline or any specialist in life. Right. Um, you touched on SEO there again, and I know I'm coming back to SEO as a topic, but you know, I've always been a big fan of screaming frog, you know, Ahrefs, Moz, SEMrush. I use them all majestic it doesn't matter i'll use them all and i don't favor one tool over the other they all complement each other in one one shape or form right and the same with some of the other tools you know like whether it's hubspot sales cloud you know pardo whatever whatever it may be the the tool is the tool that gets you from a to b but if you don't know how to get from a to b the tool is not going to help you right and and i think you know i'm seeing way too many marketers now especially in the digital space that just don't have the basic fundamentals right and they're relying on the tool to do the work for them, but they don't know how to drive the tool. Uh, and it's such a, mm-hmm. you know, I think there needs this massive fundamental shift in, in, in the industry where, mm-hmm. you know, you need to get the basics right. right? And we, we've just actually had impressive launched what's what we're calling the impressive Academy. Right. And oh, nice. yeah, man. And it's like, we're, nice. we're, 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 we're talking to our partners like HubSpot, Google, Facebook, you know, and whoever else we're at, Clavio and so on, to like curate content collaboratively between our, us and them. And then we're uploading it into this portal where you can just log in, go through the course, learn, exam at the end. So it's like practical as well. And then you come out like certified, right? It's impressive certified. Um, and I found awesome, that that's man. You guys cool. have a certification. That's great. Man, we, we have to, right? Because we're that's trying to great. find like the best talent in the market but unfortunately mm-hmm. a lot of the best talent don't have the basics right <laughs> yeah i think it's I, I think a big problem with it is like let's look at you right um you're a business owner so you have to think about it in terms of actual doing marketing and sales to grow your business a lot yeah. of marketers have not been in a position where it's sink or swim they have not been in a position where it's their own money that they're playing with or putting up on the line, where it's their own traffic that they have to grow or their own website that they have to maintain. They just go and play with other people's money. They go and they get a, they get a salary and therefore there's less pressure to sink or swim because you have that safety net. You know, you can, you can fuck up all the way to the point to where you're on a performance improvement plan. And then even still you'll have someone there to save you. But, you know, if it was their own money on the line or their own business on the line, they would really have to figure out, okay, yeah, I can use Screaming Frog, but how is it going to help me get more traffic? You can run crawls all you want in Screaming Frog, but it's not going to help you get more traffic. And that's, I think, a big thing that you realize when you're working at an agency is because you're doing client deliverables and you do these big, impressive audits, these big, impressive documents with all this stuff in it and you give all this huge list of recommendations to the client and then you look at the recommendations and you really look at, all right, well, what's going to help the client actually get more traffic? A lot of the stuff that agencies recommend are not oriented around that. They're oriented mm-hmm. around, you know, foundational technical cleanup. This is shiny. This looks good. It would be sexy to put FAQ schema markup on these pages, blah, blah, blah. But in reality, if you just focused on like these three things, you could probably get like a 15% increase in traffic by like the end of the month. Exactly. And it's like, you could almost summarize this as like working smarter rather than harder. I think too many agencies, like they need to, to, to show a 50 page report 
which they probably only understand 5% of it, right? <laughs> but it looks good. And the totally. client's going to be able to, you know, quantify yeah. the investment. <laughs> they need to bill for the hours. Yeah, that, that's the problem Correct. with the agency model. But I don't want to bash agencies too hard because honestly, dude, I started my career at an agency and I would definitely not be where I'm at today if I didn't do that because the agency does expose you to um, rapid, I would say, learning and growth. And in-house marketers who start their career in-house, they're just slower and not as sharp as, as agency marketers. That's just tends to be what, what I have found. So when I'm hiring, I'm looking for this trifecta, someone that has um, taken a, a side project or some kind of personal project and actually grown it into something, someone that has agency experience and someone that has previous in-house SaaS experience where they've proven that they've done something. If they meet all three of those, it's pretty much a guarantee that it's a good person to hire. I love that, man. I love that. You know, like we, I mean, obviously I can't pick on agencies too much because I do run an agency, but yeah, you know, yeah. we've always, every single person we hire like entrepreneurial spirit, you know, like, have you built a business? Have you actually been on the tools? Have you tried to build an e-com site? Have you written a piece of content that actually gets traffic? You know? So I think that is like fundamental agencies where on the flip side, you've got, too, look, unfortunately too many agencies that just hire these interns who are smart kids, but they're not being, they don't give them the, the, the necessary training that they're required to be able to excel where, where, where they need to go. And that's why, like, you know, I'm taking it one step at a time from Australia where I'm trying to just shift the way that agencies operate. Because I think, you know, I sincerely believe that if you can get your talent, internal talent to a, to a level where they're like top-notch level marketers, your clients will feel that, right? And they're going to get really good results and your agency will be able to scale where I, I see too many agencies focused, you know, on revenue and not necessarily their people, but mm -hmm. an agency's made of people, right? That's what you're buying. <laughs> Clients buying specialists, right? That's so right. the better they are, the more you can charge. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, I, well, I, I love it. And I, know, I got love for agencies, yeah. man. Agencies have, you know, they have a special place in my heart because if it wasn't for an agency, I, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now. Man, they're good fun, right? And, and I've always said agencies breed some of the best marketers, right? You, as you said, it's so fast paced. And because you're working across so many verticals and industries, you get to see and learn a lot That's versus right. working in-house where you're pigeoned into one client, one brand, one site. Mm -hmm. you know, there's only so mm -hmm. much you can, you can learn from that. Yeah, I will say if you go agency to in-house, you're going to be in a really good position because yeah. you're just going to be outpacing everyone. You're just going to be running circles. You're going to know what to do. Um, you're going to, you're going to know what's up. And that's what it was for me when I took over pipe drive, I used to lead the SEO team there. And, um, I came in from agency hot and I was like, man, I know exactly what to do. This is going to be easy. Mm. And that's when, and I was optimizing around CRM, which is a real bloodbath of, of a vertical. So I'm happy I'm out of that. My stack when I first started with uh, was pipe drive with Mailchimp when I first started the agency. But look, I totally agree with what you're saying. Like, I know for a fact that in the agency life, I could probably retain an employee for two to three years max, right? And then they leave, right? So my theory is always try and get the best out of that person and train them so that they're an absolute weapon when they go out in the open market. You know, I want them to say, I learned everything I've learned. And the reason why I'm so good is because of impressive is because of impressive. Right. Yeah. I know I'm going to lose them. Right. Like that's the, inevitable. Yeah. they're not going to stay with me forever. I know that. Right. So right. I might as well try and get the best of them and train them the best that they can be so that, you know, I leave a legacy. <laughs> right. Right. right.
And plus they'll refer business back to you. You know how many clients I've referred back to my, my former agency? Countless. Because people ask me, hey, do you take on side projects? No, sorry, too busy. But I would definitely recommend, you know, IPO rank or impressive, right? Yeah. So it's, it, it, I think it's in the best interest of the agency um, management to have that mindset so that when your employees do go on and they blossom into, you know, other things that they can refer business back to you. I think it's a very underrated thing. Yeah, man. I totally agree. Hey, do you reckon um, you've got a creative side? There's no doubt about that, right? So do you reckon that that creative side to you has helped you to get to where you are? Yeah, man, of course. You know, I, I have a different way about me, you know, and it's, it's, uh, I, I don't get along well with like the buttoned up corporate types, you know, they see a guy neither like me. I hide it. <laughs> yeah, neither do you. Exactly. You know, they see a guy like me walk into a boardroom meeting with a basketball jersey, hat, and sweatpants. They're already making judgments. But I, I guarantee you, I know my numbers better than you. So, you know, <laughs> I, I, I think that's one part of it. And, you know, it's just part of my identity coming from New York, having a lot of cultural just sort of influence on who I am and my personal identity. That, that has a lot to do with it. But also when it comes to marketing, I'm able to think more creatively than the math driven, you know, kind of numerical mm. thinkers only. And like, mm. here's a good example, right? Um, one time the, the one company I was working with said, hey, LinkedIn advertising is a big opportunity right now. And we want to do LinkedIn ads. I said, great. What do you want to do? And they said, we want to put this graphic as the ad creative and we want to drive people to this landing page and i said okay well the problem is that that graphic looks just like every other graphic that's out there and you just kind of you blow right past it you know and they said no it's gonna work it's gonna work but, all right run it they run it the, re the results are awful they came back hey man this was this this linkedin campaign is not performing well We've sunk in yeah. 3000 bucks into it already. We're not seeing any, any, any juice. You know, what do we do? So I'm like, all right, what have I done in the past that has been successful in promoting my music? I created a lyrics video, a lyrics video, right? Ooh, how can I apply this to a business? Oh, I know what we'll do. We'll do the equivalent of a lyrics video for this business ad. So what we'll do is we will have um, sort of like a phone that's like having a text conversation, like two people texting regarding what we're trying to promote. So, so, so for, I'm just going to use my company as an example, it, the text yeah. conversation, like you would see like typing and you would say, Oh, my phone system, my cloud phone system really sucks. I'm looking to change it. Who do you think's good out there? And then the response would be like, Oh, I've been, I've been checking out Nextiva. You guys should definitely give them a go. They have this, they have that, they have this. Oh, that's awesome. How do they stack up against the competitors? Oh, they're really good because of X, Y, Z reasons. This is all in text form and it's yeah. in 30 seconds. And then, you know, I ran that versus the graphic and it crushed, you know, it had three X more engagement. It had good lead flow it had good pipeline that was built as a result of that. And all because the creative was more, it, it tapped into the emotional needs of the audience. Whereas that still graphic just kind of blends in with everything else. Now, if I didn't have that musician background, I probably would have never thought of something like that. I probably would have just said, oh, we need to change the blue button to a red button that's why it's not working or we just need to, you know, that's what most marketers think. We need to AB test it. <laughs> no, sometimes you don't need to AB test. You just need to realize that what you came up with sucks. 
<laughs> so, so true, man. So true. It's so true. And having that musician mindset, like, yo, not every, not every song is going to be a hit record. Same thing with marketing. Not every ad is going to hit, you know, and there's sometimes marketers just get sucked into, well, let's test it. Sometimes there's no need to test. You just have to know, well, this sucks. Let's go back to the drawing board. And there you go. <laughs> so. And it's so, it's, it's so, so true. Right. And I, and I a hundred percent agree with you that, you know, you need to have the creative flair to be able to be a really good marketer, right? If you're just all about the numbers, you will most likely fail, right? Because not sometimes it's, it's not just numbers. numbers. Yes, absolutely, I believe are important, but sometimes you just gotta challenge, you know, the norm, you know, and why the sort of metrics or numbers sometimes stack up and sometimes don't, right? And I totally agree with you as far as like some of these social platforms, you need that emotional creative, something that can just interrupt the person on the other side to actually like you've got, few seconds right like two three seconds to like literally get them to stop scrolling right so i um i could definitely mm -hmm. see how like from your perspective i guess music and creativity has played a big role in, in becoming a um in becoming a, a leading marketer what's what's the future of music man what's what's i've been i was actually listening listening to one of your um well, watching really one of the one of the video clips before i gave oh, you nice. love yeah man oh nice um, man thank you thank you yeah um subscribe to the channel so don't worry i'm on there <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate what does that, the future brother. music look like for you? <clears throat> yeah. So I would say, you know, most people see vi my videos and they're like, oh, is your goal to be famous or something? And actually the answer is no. Um, I don't really like being in the spotlight like that. The reason why I produce uh, videos about my songs and stuff like that, for one, it's kind of like therapeutic. Like I really enjoy yeah. just being a creator. It gets me outside of like this SaaS marketing, you know, matrix that I'm in. And then the other part of it is that I can use that as sort of like a promotional reel to, to, to share and send with other uh, music producers in Miami and New York that I want to work with, because my ultimate goal is to be a behind the scenes music producer, songwriter. Um, I would love to get more, more of like a publishing deal um, nice. and do sync licensing and get the beats that I create and the songs that I write placed on commercials and jingles and Netflix shows and stuff like that. The, the, really the way to monetize your art is through sync licensing because, you know, streaming is, is just a way of promotion. You don't really make that much money from streaming. And so um, my goal is not to be famous or to be, you know, the next uh, Enrique Iglesias or something like that. It's, <laughs> it's just to uh, showcase my talent as an in to work with other uh, producers and songwriters that I admire in the industry and just show them my flavor, show them what I can do. And so that can open up more networking opportunities. Um, but awesome. that's, that's basically the goal is to be a, a behind the scenes producer and songwriter and not really be in the spotlight. Love it, man. It's really good. And I, and I saw podcast musicians in tech. Is that a big thing? I'd imagine, right? There's a lot of creatives or a lot of you know, producers, songwriters, like I would imagine that that's like their side hustle, but like the day to day is like marketing, finance, whatever it may be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's, so it's exactly yeah. what you said. Yeah. It's, it's, it's about people like me, like you who, you know, we have this creative side to us, you know, um, in this case, it's, it's some sort of musical talent, whether it's music production or um, being a musician or something like that. DJ, songwriter, whatever. And it's really about interviewing people that live this double life that, you know, let's just say I was generating more income with my music than I was with my marketing work, 
I'd probably, I'd probably not do as much marketing. I'd just focus mostly on that and probably just do marketing on the side, uh, uh, you know, as opposed to the, to what's happening now, which is the opposite. And so it's a lot about that. And then the other part of it is interviewing, um, music label executives, uh, music lawyers, music publishers, actual people in the industry, uh, who are part of the, um, establishment, if you will, you know, the, they work at companies like Sony and Warner Chappelle and Atlantic records and stuff like that, getting their perspective and then also interviewing up and coming producers, songwriters and stuff like that. So it's a good mix. I've, I've been a little bit behind on my publishing schedule. I've only got like two episodes live right now, but I got a, I got a whole bunch that have already been recorded. I just got to sit down and edit them. And you know what that's like, that's a bit of a process. Uh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. It's, um, it's these things, right? It's like you got to create the content one, then you got to like actually finesse it, then publish it, then promote it. Yeah. The it's, show notes and yeah. the creative, you got to promote it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a process. I hear you, man. I hear you. What, what would, would you say your biggest advice to someone who, you know, has the creative flair, maybe is a musician, but has a second passion, right? Like marketing or tech, or whatever it may be, you know, because I reckon there is so many, it's a conflicting argument, right? Like I want to pursue what I really love, but maybe there's not a lot of money in that. Like what would be your advice, man? Because obviously you've gone through it, right? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's tough, right? Um, I think, you know, that advice, follow your passion is not very practical because sometimes your passion isn't going to get you paid. And the sooner you accept that reality, the better off you're going to be. I, you know, one thing I realized a long time ago is life is a lot easier if you just accept things for the way they are and then react strategically to that rather than just soaking on, you know, why are things this way? He, 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 wah, wah, wah. So I would say, you know, I would say, I would say that you need to accept that and you need to look at, you know, your, your, your creative side hustle, your passion project as kind of like a stock, you know, mm. you, it's a long-term play. You're investing in it little by little over time. And hopefully it's going to grow over time, but it's a long-term play. You're not day trading where you're looking to, you know, make money off of short-term, you know, gains and losses. You're playing it for the long, long run. And you're yeah. using whatever your main income stream is to subsidize what you're trying to do. So, you know, you shouldn't look to always just raise money because, cause I know a lot of people that are like, Oh, I just need to raise money. You, no, you don't. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you can, <laughs> you, you can, but there are other ways. And so the way I would, I would look at it is, you know, think of it as like a long-term stock and, mm -hmm. you know, treat it um, like a flower that's going to grow and blossom over time. Um, think about building an audience. Like to me, that attention is, is the most important currency there is right now. So I don't even have a way to monetize it. Like, let's just say I did have, you know, a hundred thousand subscribers. Yeah. That's the goal. Like to get to that point first and then think about monetizing. I know it's kind of the anti-advice. Most people say you got to have a monetization strategy first. I, I'm a believer in just growing something authentic and organically and then thinking about the monetization part later. So I don't know. In a nutshell, that would be my advice. I don't know if you have any other things to yeah, add man, to look, that. It, but. It, it, it makes a lot of sense, right? I, I think, you know, if I was to use SEO as a reference, a lot of businesses would think of SEO as just like, you know, just going to write some content, going to do some on-page, build some, you know, build some links and I'm just going to get results. It's like, well, no, it's a long-term strategy, right? It doesn't work. It doesn't happen overnight. 
right? It's almost like, you know, you plant the seeds, then you got to nurture it, and you got to water it, and you keep nurturing it, more nurturing, more. Eventually, it's going to grow into a tree, right? And I think the same applies to anybody who has a, a passion. And you're right, like there's a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, we're all we've all got passion, right? But if you know, if I was to pursue my passion, man, I'd be living in a shack somewhere, right? So, <laughs> you know, you're still yeah. gonna eat. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta you live. Still gotta eat. Um, That's right. Hundred percent. That's right. So I, I, I think you can run the two in parallel, but like you still need to finally to be able to you know make money so you can live and pursue your passion on the side which i think you've done you know great right yeah succeeded man you know you're doing both things in both yeah you can yeah you can do you can do both i think that's a good takeaway from this is you can do both like me for example you know i get my shit done during the day i take a little break and then at night you know i feel like making beats i'll you know i'll spend two three hours playing the guitar and making beats because what else are you doing you're going Mm. out you're drinking, you're at the bars, Netflix, you're hanging out with your girlfriend, you know. you're watching Netflix, you're on your phone, you're addicted to Instagram, you know, you're doing none, you're on LinkedIn, you know, you, it's a lot of nonsense, right? Hmm. So if you can control your environment, not let your environment control you, and now, you know, we're in this post-COVID era where it is kind of isolating and all there really is to do is stay home, you know, you're a lot more susceptible to distraction from digital addiction, you got to be disciplined to put that shit down and go work on whatever it is your side craft or your side passion project is going to be, whether it's a podcast, writing a book. I mean, people do it. People are getting it done, you know? And 100%, for you to, man, it's like, excuse, it's, a, you know? it's a mindset, right? Like you can either yeah. sit there, accept it and do something about it, or you can bitch and moan and complain and point the finger, right? I think you know, it takes a real personality to go, you know, I am going to pursue this and I'm going to give it 150%. But at the same time, I need to earn some cash, right? So That's I 100% it. agree that you can do both of them at the same time. Mm-hmm. 100%, Definitely. 100%. Definitely. And there, and there are ways actually, you know, to monetize, like I'll tell you about something I'm thinking about. I can use my SEO skills to create an affiliate website and earn affiliate commissions for music business stuff. So all those like CD Baby, TuneCore, digital distributors, they need referral traffic with, with lead gen coming in. I can rank for things that they care about, what, that they probably can't rank for because they don't have the know-how. And I can, you know, put my affiliate links in there to their websites and get, you know, CPC or PPC, you know, referral click revenue or commission revenue and build passive revenue by doing an affiliate play by using my SEO skills because, that's what affiliate marketing is now. You are, you are a facilitator. You're a middleman of lead gen for other companies that need leads. And the only way to get that traffic is through ad traffic, organic, uh, organic non-brand or, or brand direct, right? And I'm really good at organic non-brand. Why wouldn't I do that? So that's something I'm thinking about in terms of merging. You've hit the nail straight on the head, right? So you've complemented both both passions to get a desired outcome. Right. And I, and, and like, that's it, man. You've you've nailed it, right. You've used something that you're very, very good at to promote a passion that you have and make money. Right. And I think that that's it. That is it. You've nailed it. And I think, um, yeah, I think, man, we need to to see like more entrepreneurs start to think that way. Right. But without like pigeoning and throwing their passion in the bin, I think that passion is something there use it to fuel whatever else you're going, you're pursuing in life, you know? Um, and I, and I think it's, it's very, it's very important, man. It's very, very important. You work on anything exciting at the moment other than what you've just mentioned? 
Any any side um, hustles, projects? Yeah, yeah. Um, so <clears throat> I'm uh, I'm working on a, a growth marketing demand gen course for Conversion XL. Um, it should be available um, next year. So doing that, um, writing a book called the Growth Marketing Playbook for SaaS Companies. So it's basically it. going to be the the um, I hope it becomes the Bible for SaaS uh, company growth. And it's going to be all about demand gen, inbound and outbound, uh, probably a little bit more heavier on the inbound since that is my acute expertise, but I got that going on. And then I'm just going to look to continue building the podcast. So I'll be producing more podcast content and, uh, you know, just working to, to grow the company that I, I work with Nextiva, looking to grow them to, uh, hopefully a billion in revenue someday, you know, stick Very to that. Nice. And, and, uh, that's, that's, that's the goal, man. Just continuing to work and, you know, chip away. I love it, man. And that, like, you've got plenty on there, right? There's plenty, plenty of work. Yeah, dude. <laughs> plenty of work on. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I love it, man. And look, um, yeah. how do we look just for our listeners? I guess, like, how do we find you Instagram, LinkedIn, like, where are you active? Yeah. Um, Instagram's cool. Um, it's uh, official Gaetano. You can find me there and you can go nice. to the podcast as well. Just go to musicians and tech podcast on any major streaming platform and you can find it there. Katana, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. I've really enjoyed our, our session. And look, when I, um, one day when I can travel again, <laughs> we are, as I mentioned, <laughs> opening up a, uh, an office in Austin. So um, I'm planning. Yeah, man. It's like the next emerging tech hub, right? So um, oh, yeah. I, I can't wait to get over there and, I'm planning on doing New York, Miami while I'm there. So I'll, um, I'll definitely hit you up, man. We'll catch up for Please for, do, for man. Please do. Uh, and good, great luck in Austin. I think you're going to do excellent. Austin, as you know, I'm sure, is going to be the next big, I think, tech hub in America. I think you have a couple of hot spots, Austin being one, Scottsdale, Arizona being another. They're saying Miami is, an, is another mm. one to look out for in the next 10 years because everyone's fleeing out of California you know, by the droves, everyone's getting out. So um, I think Austin's going to be a perfect uh, location for you, brother. Yeah, man. I think like, yeah, all the tech giants are leaving the Valley, right? They're done with the with Silicon Valley. It costs too much to bloody to live there. Right. So yeah. a lot of them are fleeing and getting out. And Austin for us was very attractive, just corporate tax point of view. Right. So we're setting up shop there and I'm sending up one of my guys from here, Russ to go and head it up. So he's going to move over to, to Austin and I can't wait to join him and, travel around the u.s man so when i get the opportunity oh, yeah. I'll, I'll hit you up and we'll we'll catch up please do man please do i I'll love austin it's a great town it's an awesome little town well arguably one of the best universities in in the u.s is in, in austin right yeah yeah very good talent very very good talent amazing there. you have you have great tech talent there i don't think you're gonna have a hard time finding you know great yeah. additions to the team i think you're gonna be on your way Awesome, man. Awesome. Great stuff, bro. Man, I've loved it, man. Enjoyed it. Um, we'll stay in touch. Have a good, what's the time over there? It must be evening, right? 10 p.m. 10 p.m. So yeah, you're man. going to sleep soon. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, after this, going to wind down, uh, get ready to hit the hay. Love your work, man. Have a, uh, have a good evening and we'll catch up soon, my man. Thanks, brother. You have a great day. Uh, great rest of your week. Nice weekend. And um, I'll catch you in Austin. Keep keep Done. fighting the good fight. I will. You too. Right on, brother. See you, man. Take care. Peace. See you, bud. Bye.